Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said to me, come let us go into the house of the Lord. Pastor Steve usually say that amongst all the rumblings in the earth, that the church is the only place that we have comfort and that we find solace. And I'd like you to put your hands together for yourself for being able to make it here to the interactive Bible study. Hallelujah. I want to also use this time to welcome those that are watching online. I know that some of you have tried to make it here this evening, but you were not able to make it, and then you graciously connected online. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you right there where you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we, in the past few weeks, we've been looking at a subject of selfishness. The pastor has taken so much time. Um, I was only privileged to be around on, on Sunday, and I missed out on some of the other messages. But I listened online. I missed out being present, but I listened online. But I'd like us to share with me. I'd like us to just do a recap on what we discussed during those series. I'll just like ask a question about some of the things that the pastor handled and then you tell me what we learned or what you personally learned on those days. I see some of us quickly going through our notes and it's okay for you to spy but I'll ask specific questions about some of the subjects that the pastor <laughs> preached. Pastor, it's an open book exam so it's okay for them to just take a look at some of the things that they wrote. At least the good thing is that some of them took notes. Praise the Lord. All right. One of the things he asked was, why are people selfish? Maybe I'm taking it too far away from us. Why are we selfish? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I'm sure that it was discussed on that day. I remember some of the comments that was made. Our mommy made the comment on Pastor. You know, made a comment and a few other people made the comment. I saw everything. So I'd like us to share with me just to remind ourselves why people are selfish. Do we have the mic? Yes, please. And this time, everybody will be talking today because I'm sure most all of us were here in this service and during the service when it was handled. So why are people selfish? Why are we selfish? Who wants to help us? Okay, Grace is smiling at me. <laughs> so can you give the mic to Grace? Let her tell us. Put your hands together for her. <laughs> you were smiling at me. It's like you were giving me a sign. Please call me, call me. <laughs> Why? Are... Okay, not you. Why are people selfish? Okay. I feel the majority of people are selfish basically because, um, from my own opinion, I feel it's like what they um, see as okay, probably. Let me use the word self-centeredness, or let me use the word self-centered. Majority of people are self-centered because um, they feel okay. I'm being myself. I'm thinking about myself. They don't realize they are being selfish. They just feel okay. I'm thinking about myself. Let me do things my own way, not knowing that they are affecting other people beside them or the person that is asking for help. They don't realize that, okay, they are being selfish to this person. They just think about themselves only. So, yeah. Put your hands together for her. So Grace is saying that sometimes people interpret selfishness in another way. They are self-centered and when they concern themselves with things that only pertain to themselves, they tend to pay less attention to what pertains to others. Please put your hands together. You see, you did well. Put your hands together for her. Who else wants to help us with why people are selfish? Okay, madam. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I think people are selfish because they want to protect their own interests above others and not considering or putting into consideration other people's interests or feelings before them. Thank you. Put your hands together for her. People tend to want to protect their own interests. And uh, I used to say that the, the thing about America is that when America is doing something for you, or the Chinese, 
you should ask yourself, what is in need for them? <laughs> it's about interest. You think they are so nice. It all new. They are not so nice. It's all about interest. And you know, in politics today, they say that there's no permanent enemy and there's no permanent friend. It's all permanent what? Interest. Put your hands together for Madam Lyde. Who else wants to help us with why people are selfish? Can, can I? Can okay, I sir. As um, Grace spoke, I realized that we didn't um, investigate whether there's a difference between selfishness and self-centeredness. Because she was talking about being self-centered. Because when you're thinking only about yourself, everything is centered on you. It doesn't necessarily mean you're being selfish. I'm just thinking about myself. I think selfishness goes beyond that. Selfishness is I don't care how it affects you. But the line between selfishness and self-centeredness is almost invisible. You don't know where you cross from being self-centered to becoming selfish. Selfishness is I don't care how it affects you, whether you're happy or not, as long as I got my own thing going. It says there, it's excessive concern for one's own, one's own welfare, good, or advantage at the expense of or in total disregard of others. At that point, I want to ask a question. Are Nigerians more selfish than other nations? Who said no? Okay, let me see no. All the hands up. Are Nigerians more selfish? No. How many will say yes, Nigerians are more selfish? <laughs> Me, I think I think Nigerians are more selfish. Nigerians are more self-centered, but they are not necessarily selfish. Hmm. What do you think, the young lady? What do you think? Are Nigerians? Are Nigerians more? Now you're being self-centered. You don't want to answer. Yes or no? One is cause and effect. If you are self-centered, inevitably you are going to be selfish. So you said you said there's a the, the border is thin. There's no way that look if you see a self-centered person, ultimately that person is selfish. Cost you know, effect, yeah. yeah, cause and effect. You know, one thing happened to me one. I was in South, South Africa a few years back, and they've started taking, you know, like NEPA in South Africa. And I, we got to a junction, somebody was driving me, and I just noticed the orderliness at the junction. So I was looking around for the, uh, what do you call, LASMA. Traffic police that was passing. Nobody. So I had to, and in South Africa, traffic lights are called robots. So I was going to, so I said, the robot wasn't working. And I didn't see any last one. So I was saying, excuse me, how come? He said, it's orderly. Anybody that gets to the junction first is the one that moves. And those of us who have driven in America, before we know exactly what it is. Even when you, maybe out of trying to be polite, ah, it's another man's country, you stop. That the car that got there after you, they will hoot for you to go. Because as far as they are concerned, the system says that you must be, ah, there's one thing that we call, you must be considerate to other road users. Do you know I lived in Lagos? <laughs> it wasn't until I went to Ibadan. Or after I, yeah, I must have been, definitely after my school set, my school, that I knew that when you're on the roundabout, you give 
way to traffic on the left. On the left. Did you know that when Lagos Ibadan Expressway was built, the right-hand lane is the slow lane. And you are only supposed to be found on the right, the left, on the left lane when you are overtaking. Once you overtake, you go back to the right-hand lane. You, that's how you drove all the way from Lagos to Ibadan. But try it now. <laughs> try it now. We are, it's all about us. That's why the country is where it is. A politician that steals 900 billion naira is self-centered leading to selfishness. And what? And greed. Look, self-centeredness leads to greed. Cause and effect. Put your hands together for Pastor Yobi. You know, he reminded me about one day I was driving in the in the US and I got to that junction. I saw a car waiting. So in my mind, oh, this guy is very good. He's waiting for me to... to, to yes, I was driving. Yes. So I thought, oh, he's waiting for me to pass. So immediately I got to the junction, he's still waiting. So I passed. And the guy got angry and he was shouting. And I asked the person I was with, what did I do wrong? <laughs> I thought he wanted me to pass. He said, when you get to the junction, he was the one there first. I will wait for him to pass. I said, ah. I did, I interpreted it as if, you know, in Lagos, <laughs> the best he wants you to pass. Praise the Lord. How many of you saw people getting into the blue rail? He was on, did you see it, Pastor? Rush, rush, ah. rush, rush. <laughs> like Moldway. New technology, you know, it's just, is in it. Is in it. You know, they just open the doors. And it can take everybody. I got, I got, I went to a building yesterday and there were about six or seven of us in the lift. And the lift stopped on the floor and wanted to get out. And do you know the people who are coming into the lift didn't want us to get out because they wanted to get into the lift. So I said to them, excuse me, we are, the lift takes maybe nine persons. We are already eight. So where are you rushing to? At least let us. Nalayo. It was, I was talking to deaf people. Do you know they still entered? So we have to start squeezing ourselves out. And then you say we are not selfish. <laughs> they are Christian. <laughs> put your hands together for Pastor Yomi. Please put your hands together for him one more time. Uh, sometimes this pain of being selfish the dictionary google dictionary says that a selfish person is someone lacking consideration for other people concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure in this case of lift and train you're concerned about your own pleasure you know rather than that of others and then we also discussed about why, how do we identify a selfish person? Remember, Pastor Yomi made a comment. He said that anytime you are discussing with somebody and you are just telling the person your problem, the person just tells you, you're all small. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yomi is not, not himself, you're all small. <laughs> And then he starts telling about his own. You have not finished your story yet, too. And he doesn't want you to finish. He starts his own. And then you are downfounded. And maybe his story is actually more, you know, pitiable than yours. But sometimes, if, if the person allows you to finish your story, and then you have a similar story that you can use to encourage the person, it's different. But in this case, you didn't even allow the person to finish. You just say... <laughs> You're all small. So who can tell us again, what other ways can we use to identify a selfish person? We discussed it the last time. All of us were in church now. Who wants to help us? I just mentioned one now. 
Let me give you another example. You know how most times in church we know what we do. Everybody knows what each, at least most people know what each other do. You know, it took me a while before I even announced what I do. Many years of being in this church, nobody knew what I did for a living. Until I became a pastor, many people didn't know. And there's a reason for that. Most people know what you do, but they will not come and buy from you. They won't come and buy from you. They know where to go and buy it. Immediately, they do not have enough money. <laughs> Immediately, they don't have enough money to buy that thing. They will remember, oh, there's this brother that sells that thing. He will be able to help. Shay, Ronnie, more sunny. Let's hear from Ambassador. <laughs> Good evening, church. Good evening. When you see a selfish person, they like to reap where they don't sow. <laughs> Put your hands together. Because, for example, let's take our church as an example. When they announce about the Thanksgiving, yearly Thanksgiving, some people, the selfish people, they have money. They have what they can do, but they are looking at what other people will do, that they too, they will be a beneficiary of that, what they are doing. And no matter how you talk to them in Yoruba, they call it afemi, afemi, afemi. Now their own, they will grip onto. They will not listen because I don't know whether the money in their pocket is auto uh, or is biting them. To give is always a problem for them. Thank you. Thank you, Ambassador. Some people have a very wonderful name for it. They call it, um, what's this money you keep aside? It says security. Rainy day. Thank you. You know, very good name. You keep it for the rainy day. So nobody goes there. Nobody touches. It's my savings that I don't touch. And I'm not saying you should not have savings, so please, don't get me wrong. I don't have, but it's all, please, you should have. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, if you look at the way some of us live our lives, you know that we only depend on God. So you might not have enough faith to live the kind of life that we live. Most of the things I get, there's, there's nothing that, you know, I was discussing with my wife that, you know, we, we need to buy a house and that we need to save to buy a house. And I asked myself, all the things you've acquired, how many of them have you saved to buy? How many? If I want to buy a house now, do you know how long I'll have to save? <laughs> I'm not that poor, please. <laughs> I still have some little things. But do you know how long I'll have to save? And God told me, you've never had to save to buy it. You see this house, you also buy it once. Praise the Lord. So, bother yourself. Don't be bothering about the things the world bother about, you know. The Bible said the people of the world, they care about the earthly things. Don't worry about those things. It, it troubles us as human. You know, we're discussing and I asked, what would you say we've achieved? My wife and I, what, what have we achieved? And then I told her that, you know, when you talk about what you've achieved, you're only looking at earthly things. Right? We just look at earthly things. Nobody looks about spiritual things. Let's change focus. One interesting thing the senior pastor also discussed was which gender is more selfish? I didn't, I'm not sure we got to the conclusion of that. Did we? Huh? Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, I was actually discussing it with my wife. My wife said, is the man now? I said, ah. I said, how is he the man? She said, is the man now? I said, ah, you, you are telling me he's the man. <laughs> and she started saying, even if we look at the scripture, you will know that he's the man. I said, which scripture? Oh yeah, let's look at scripture. <laughs> and we are talking and we are arguing. I said, anyway. Since we are not able to reach a conclusion, I'm the one preaching, not you. <laughs> so, 
So I will say that the men are not the ones that are selfish, it's the women. So <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you something that happened to us. Baby, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, okay? Just to encourage somebody here. <laughs> One, you know, my wife just recently started working after a long, many years of sacrificing for the family. That's what I like to call it. So immediately she started working. I was so happy. You know, that some responsibility, at least she would take care of it. So, 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 I at least, uh, for how many years? Only me, or four years, only me. Ah, I said, let me. So I pushed some. And then I realized that one of those responsibilities, she didn't do it for that month. Ah, I said, oh, what happened? You didn't do this. She said, eh, I'm going to skip this month. I have some personal things to take care of. <laughs> I said, ah. <laughs> personal things. So I said, okay. Okay, no problem. It's okay. But um, I usually give her some small money every week. Just 2K. It's not too much. 2,000 naira. <laughs> so I said, um, this week's own. Um, I'm going to skip it because I have some personal things. <laughs> she started shouting. Ah, <laughs> she started screaming. Ah. I said, have you realized that all these years I've not missed once? <laughs> Thank you for clapping. They don't, they don't understand. <laughs> I said, I want to skip one week, one month. No. But the truth is that a lot of men make very huge sacrifices. I'd like you to clap for men, please. Just clap for men. I know that women make sacrifices. On Women's Day, we'll clap for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just wanted to do that. That's just on a lighter note. The men or women, there's nobody that is more selfish. I'm sure you know that I'm just trying to make the place a little lively. <laughs> okay. Selfishness is about the person. It has nothing to do with gender. I'm sure the senior pastor established that when he was talking. Okay. I'm going to look at a subject. I was worrying that, you know, when the senior pastor had discussed all this, that there was nothing more to say. So I was going to come here and just do a summary until he spoke on Sunday. And he spoke about the folly of selfishness and the wisdom of generosity. And immediately he said that, it just clicked. Now we spend so much time talking about how selfish we are. And that maybe we spent little time. He did that on Sunday to discuss the wisdom and being generous. And so I'm going to continue that subject of Sunday. And the title of our discussion this evening is The Wisdom of Generosity. Can we have the slide, please, multimedia? So that we can take our text. Our text is the same text that the senior pastor read. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25, and I have chosen the easy to read version for this text. It says, Give freely and you will profit. Help others and you will gain more for yourself. Give freely and you will profit. Help others. And you will gain more for yourself. So you will notice that in this scripture, the way to profit yourself is in giving others. Praise the Lord. But the world system is not that. The way to profit for yourself in the world is to acquire more for yourself. To take more for yourself. To even take the one that belongs to others. But the scripture is trying to change that perspective and say that the wisdom in generosity is that the more you give, the more you receive. I would like us to read Matthew chapter 22, contemporary English version. 
And I'd like to read from verse 38. Please go to 38. 38 to 39. Oh, sorry. Should be 37. I want to read the beginning of the, the... Jesus answered, Love the Lord. When the disciples were asking him about the greatest commandment, he said, Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and most important commandment. The second most important commandment is like this one. And it is love others as much as you love yourself. Please, can you help me explain what you understand in this passage? It's not a very difficult passage. First, love the Lord with all your heart and your mind and your soul and everything you've got. Second is like the first. Second is love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Who can help me with what he understands from this passage? Anyone? Anybody? Okay, madam. And then uh, we'll come to Jonathan. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, my own understanding is that if you love yourself, you will love others in the sense that since you cannot hurt yourself, you cannot harm yourself, you can't do no evil to yourself. So you should not do the same to others. And in the Bible, there's a portion of the Bible that says that uh, when, when Jesus said, when I was hungry, did you feed me? You need not see God. You need not hold him before you can be good to others. That's what I understand. Put your hands together for her. Let's hear from Jonathan. Um... I've always enjoyed the, just to build up what my mommy said over there, I think the simplicity of do unto others as you'd like to do unto yourself has always been something that stuck with me, you know, just simply, if you think about how you want to have an interaction with you, for instance, if you wouldn't want that same interaction reciprocated to you, then it's probably the wrong reaction or wrong interaction to do, so just that simple one, if you don't want it done to you, don't do it to someone else. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, I noticed something here. That he was asked the most important commandment. And he said, first, love God. Then second, love others. It seems like God knew that the issue of loving self is something that he might not be able to argue with you or fight with you or that there was no reason to raise the issue of loving self because he knows that ordinarily for man it is there but it seemed to me that when God was announcing this important commandment he wanted to change the focus of loving self to loving others And the only way he could describe how much you should love others was to say, you know how much you love yourself? Do the same way to others. And church, let me tell you, there's no spirituality in this thing. It is a very difficult thing. Praise the Lord. Love others as much as you love yourself. Every day, we take decisions that you would question yourself whether you would do the same thing you are doing for yourself for somebody else. Can you do the same thing that you do for yourself for someone else? I have someone that lives with me. I remember when we were looking for a help that will help us in the house. And then people always, and honestly, please, I do not say any of this to criticize anyone. People have different relationships with God. 
I have my relationship. It doesn't make me any more spiritual than anybody else. It's just this way I live my life. Okay? And it, it, it might be a sin for me. And if you do the same, it's not a sin for you. So it doesn't matter, right? It's not a biblical principle. But I'm just telling you how I live my life. And they, they say we should bring a small child. You know, all this help that you bring. Young people, 9 years, 10 years, all those kind of people. And I said, it's difficult for me to have someone like that in my house. The reason why it's difficult for me is that you need someone to help you at home. This person cannot help you at home. You should treat the person like a child. Like your own child. So I cannot have. If I bring this person, and I told my wife, if I bring this person to my house, the person will go to the same school my children go to. I won't put in a public school or another less expensive school. I will put this child in the exact same school that my kids go to. No, you don't have to clap for me, honestly. Because that is how I understand it. I cannot treat this person differently. Because if the person is coming to work, it should be work. And a 10-year-old, a 9-year-old, it, it can't work. It can't work. So get me an adult. Get me an adult. I know that I'm paying this person for the job. Many of us have people around us. You have people that live with you. You have people that are your co-workers. You have people that, that work with you in the office. You have people, you have neighbors. You ask yourself, the way you treat yourself or the way you would want to be treated, is that how you treat your neighbor? And God seemed to be shifting the focus. Love God with everything you've got, but love your neighbor also. And the description of how to love your neighbor is the way you love yourself. The way you love yourself. Praise the Lord. I know it's a hard one, but we can each be living our lives and trusting God to help us. Because every day we grow. Amen. I would like us to read 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. Solomon designed a treaty with the king of Egypt. Sorry, Solomon signed a treaty with the king of Egypt and married his daughter. She lived in the older part of Jerusalem until the palace, the Lord's temple, and the walls around Jerusalem were completed. In the King James Version, you will see the city of David. Solomon signed a treaty with the king of Egypt and married his daughter. She lived in the city of David. But I like this version because it tried to explain to us that the city of David was not as fantastic as you imagine. It was okay, but it was in the old part. It's just like um, I'm building Banana Island. Stay in Magodo for now. Praise the Lord. That's how it was. Stay in Magodo for now. And he did that and said that the scripture said that until Solomon was focusing on three things. What was he focusing on? His house, the Lord's temple, and the walls around Jerusalem. Did Solomon say, okay, let me finish building my house first, then we'll talk about God's temple. You know how there's a need in church sometimes. And then you have a project. You know that's the language we use. I have a project. You are building a house. And then your excuse for not giving to God's house is because you are building your own house. Praise the Lord. Your excuse for not giving to God's house is because of your own house. There are some things that we designed that when we are paying 
my family, when we are paying our kids' school fees, and at the same time we'll be also paying, the same time we are paying my kids' school fees, we'll also be paying the other people's school fees that we are paying. Same time. If there's not enough money for everybody, everybody waits. Praise the Lord. Not my own first. Then they will wait when I have money. They plan. Everybody's plan is together. Solomon built his house. Built the temple. And built the wall. His house was for self. The temple was for God. The wall was for the people. Anything we do. For every funds we receive. You must consider three things. Yourself. God's house. And it's not in any particular order. Because if it's in a particular order. God should come first. Praise the Lord. God first. Yourself and then other people. But he was doing it concurrently. Something is wrong with this mic. He was doing it concurrently. He focused on his family. He focused on God's church. And he focused on the people. We must begin to make the people part of our plan. We must begin to make the church part of our plan. Your plan is already, is already primary. We must begin to consider the church. We must begin to consider the people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And when we give to the people, it should not be such that we make an announcement. It shouldn't be such that we make an announcement. You know, the era of social media, you want to put everything up. You want to show... I, I saw someone one day went to a, a railway line. You know those beggars that sit on railway line. He went there and was sharing food. This young man has been sharing that video. <laughs> I don't know how many times. Almost, for almost a year, the same video. The same video to make it look like he was doing it all the time. The Bible said, you already received your reward. Praise the Lord. You already received your reward. I'm going to... I would like us to look at some example of people who gave in the Bible. And then see how we can replicate them in our life. Please, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's read from verse 10. King James Version. 1 Kings 17 from verse 10. Multimedia, 1 Kings 17 verse 10. I'll read from the King James Version. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering stick. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in the cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bean and a little oil in a jar. And see, I have gathered a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son. That we may eat it and die. Go to verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me... A small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for your son and yourself. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the bean of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Verse 15. Verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and, her, and he and her household ate for many days. Praise the Lord. I'd like us to discuss, what can you learn from the way she gave? 
What can you learn? What can we learn? What do you think you can bring up from that passage? Okay. And then we'll come to Madam. Uh, I believe that she gave with faith. Believing that the word that the man said and he acted and she acted according to it really. It has to be faith. Put your hands together for her. Let's come to Madam. Praise God. Um, she gave, she didn't think about the fact that she had said that I have very little and I'm going to make it and my son and I would eat it. That was their last meal. So she was obedient and she trusted in the word that he said and made his meal first. And, you know, believing that they would still, she didn't say, ah, this is it. We can't give you any. If we give you what will happen to us. So she believed, stepped out in faith, and then the Lord's word came to pass. Put your hands together for her. Faith, let's hear Minister Amotaya. Praise the Lord. So for me, it's the immediate obedience. Not grumbling or thinking of um, the fact that it's not enough, but obeying immediately. So that is for me. Obedience. Obedience. Who else? What can we learn? Anybody raising his hand? One thing I deduced from this passage is that if you eat that thing you have, you will surely die. Uh, uh, you didn't see it in the Bible. The Bible did not say you would die. He said, you will surely die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see that thing you are guarding against, that thing you are holding. Ah, nobody can touch it. It's my own, it's my own. You will eat it and die. Praise the Lord. Anytime you want to guard something so jealously, tell yourself, if I eat this thing, I will die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Nobody's, it is the truth. Even those in the kingdom language that we use, that what you have is a seed, you need to sow it. You have that and it seems like the last thing, the only thing you have. It is not for eating. It is not for eating. You know it's the last one you have and you want to eat it and die. No. It is for sowing. And you know, the way Elijah did this thing. Just imagine Elijah in our time. Hey, come, go and get me something to eat. He said, this is the last one I have. I understand, don't worry, don't worry. Bring it. You know, <laughs> bring my office. <laughs> you know now, churches, our, our pastor doesn't like to talk so much about give it. But churches that will cajole you, cajole you, cajole you. People of God. Don't criticize that cajoli, no. Because that is exactly what Elijah did. <laughs> Am I not? That's what Elijah did. So, when you are criticizing, you should be able to tell this cajoling, is it from God or is not from So, if you don't know whether it's God or not, it's better you give. If it's from God, or well, if it's not from God, oh, no problem. I didn't lose anything. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's casual, you know. You will talk and sweat. Bring, 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 bring. Please, if you have, and it's impressive you have, don't say no, he's trying to deceive me today. Because Elijah said, bring my own first. Ah, who does that kind of thing? Where is the empathy as a pastor? To a widow. Ah, you are collecting all the widow's money. You are collecting all the widow's money. Ah, hey. <laughs> Elijah collected too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Elijah collected. And I must tell you, there is no place giving is easy. 
it is never easy. Sometimes you think that, oh, Pastor Yomi, oh, Pastor, you know the way Pastor gives. I've asked him, Pastor, please, uh, where do you normally get this money? Because I don't understand this. <laughs> I've asked him, where you they see this money? <laughs> The way some of them give, you think that every time Pastor Yomi gives, is because there's abundance. It's not like that. I remember one occasion where there's a ministry I support, and they needed to do something very urgently. And the money I had was my son's school fees. This was many years ago. And I didn't have more. So I took from it and gave them. And told the school to please give me some time. Praise the Lord. But you know when they receive that money, they'll be saying, this brother, this brother, he always has access to give. There is never a time giving is easy. So when God is blessing those that give, don't tell yourself or deceive yourself that it's because they have many. That's why they are giving many times. They give all they have. Many times. We've constantly talked about Minister Motayo's giving habits. Have you gone to her house? You think that she has all the money? You think it was when she was giving testimony, she's now announcing to you people that she lives in a flat. Some of you would think she lives in one duplex or one fantastic. Design. Praise the Lord. This is not in any way encouraging foolishness in giving. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm not encouraging foolishness in giving. Okay, I'm not encouraging foolishness in giving. But rather than deprive yourself of God's blessings, it's even better to be foolish while giving. Praise the Lord. So this woman gave at a very difficult time. In fact, she gave when it would cost her her life. Did, did, Did you notice that? She gave. There was an obedience. There was faith. But, but, madam... You talked about faith. Can you give to the point that it will cost you your life? That it could cost you your life? <laughs> there's, this, there's this saying that um, Jesus Christ was the only Savior and there cannot be any Savior after him. So, meaning that if in all my giving, that's why there's a, there was one time pastor was praying about insights. He said, in all your getting, get wisdom. So, is that wisdom that you get that will tell you not to go and sacrifice your life because Jesus Christ has already you done see his how own. he's twisting pastor's message? That <laughs> <laughs> it's in terms of giving, you want to apply wisdom, Abby. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's okay, but I'm sure we understand the point. Okay, senior pastor. <laughs> what to answer you? The Bible says, he that will keep his life will lose it. And he that will lose his life will find it. I'm quoting scripture. Can somebody help me look for that scripture? He that tries to keep his life will lose it. And he that loses life will find it. Now, interestingly, as you talk about the widow of Zarephath, if you find that scripture, you read it out for us. You know, in the New Testament, this woman was mentioned. How many people in the Old Testament were mentioned in the New Testament? I read Luke chapter 4 from verse 25. It says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three and three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. At least two people that God showed mercy to. And they were not 
even the Israelites. So God rewarded these two people. The woman never lacked food till the end of the famine. In fact, her son died, and Elijah was still around to raise the child up. If she had not given Elijah cause to stay, God forbid for a parent to bury a child. When she had this food left, she said, it's just enough. Then you get to read it. For one meal for my son and I. I struggled. Elijah was not a selfish man. It was not self that made him say, bring my own first. Normally, if there is shortage of food, it is children you take care of first. He was cognizant of that. But in the kind of trouble the woman was in, the natural laws have already buried her and her son. So the only thing I could save them was the spiritual law. He said, make my own first, then you and your son can have what is left. And God always uses what is left to bless you. It's not what you have that God uses to bless you. It's usually what is left. You can't say something is left if you keep everything to yourself. Left is left over. After you bless God, God will use what is left over to bless you, good measure, press down, shaking together, and run over. Toby, listen to me. <laughs> the church will listen to you. Put your hands together for the senior pastor one more time. Thank you. I'd like us to look at another person that gave in the scripture. John chapter 6 and verse 5. John chapter 6 and verse 5. We'll be reading from the contemporary English version. When Jesus saw the large crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, where will we get enough food to feed all these people? He said this to test Philip since he already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7. Philip answered, don't you know that it will take almost a year's wage just to buy only a little bread for each of these people? Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the disciples. He spoke up and said, there's a boy here who has five small loaves of barley bread and two fish. But what good is that with all these people? The ground was covered with grass and Jesus told his disciples to tell everyone to sit down. About 5,000 men in the crowd were in the crowd. Verse 11, Jesus took the bread in his hands and gave thanks to God. Then he passed the bread to the people and he did the same with the fish until everyone ate plenty, had plenty to eat. What can we learn from this passage about that small boy. Emmanuel. Jesus actually solved their problem with the leftover food. Put your hands together for him. He said Jesus solved their problem with the leftover sister Shun. Good evening, church. Good evening. I think um, what I am seeing here is what um, two mamas said and it's obedience. At, at the end of the day, uh, no, it's not right to jump into conclusion when you've not done proper research, but I want to conclude that a selfish person cannot be obedient. Mm. Because if mm -hmm. in all the cases, if this boy is a bring the bread, bring the bread, bring the bread, and he doesn't want to bring the bread, there'll be no bread, no fish, but bring the bread, he brought the bread, and the lady to um, bring the food, give me food first, and she said, okay, so I think at the end of the day, selfishness and disobedience are cause and effect, like you said. <laughs> Put your hands together for her. Who else wants to help us with what you learned from this passage? Rosie. Can you, can you hand the mic over to Rosie?
Look at the smile. Put your hands together for her. <laughs> okay, what I saw here was just um, Jesus Christ testing the faith of the disciples. No, he already knew what he wanted to do, but he just wanted to see how much more their faith was when it comes to instructions and what step do they take when he gives out instruction on how far they gone in faith with him in this work of, you know, the Jesus Christ stuff and all of that. So when he asked um, the first person, Philip, he was testing. And the response of Philip didn't even show that he had faith at all. Because for that response, it felt like, man, when are we going to get all the money? Takes a year wages to feed these people. So there was no sign or iota of faith in Philip's response, even at that of Andrews as well. Thank you very much. Uh, sister, I would like to comment on that. Okay, senior person wants to say something and then. Okay, Sister Lide. Uh, what I learned from that is um, giving thanks. A selfish person cannot be appreciative, not to talk of being thankful. So the first thing God did, I mean, Jesus did after receiving the bread and the fish was to give thanks, which means that he acknowledged God in everything that he had. And then he returned him back to God. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands together for her. I wanted to say something about... Okay. Okay. The credit goes to him. He said something. He said, how did the disciples know the... There was five loaves and two fish available. I said, because the boy must have volunteered it. Then he asked me, why, how, did, what, what do you mean volunteered it? And I kept quiet. I said, the boy must have been open to the disciples with what he had. And he said, in church, how many of us are open? Show you are guilty, repent, <laughs> repent. <laughs> Honestly, as he said it, I froze. Nobody forced him to bring it out. He could have brought one fish and one loaf. <laughs> so he said the boy was open with it. A selfish person is never open to about what they have and how much they can do. They never do it. And then, you know, in uh, Mark chapter 6, this same story from verse 35. It says, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. They said, 36, they send them away that they may go into the surrounding countries and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. A selfish person, if you have a problem in the presence of a selfish person, he will send you away. You see a child that the parents don't have money for school. And you see the child by the side of the road crying with the school bag. You say, what's your name? Hey, parents, go back home. Instead of taking the child to the school and say, I will pay. Tell the parents they don't need to worry. How many times have you sent your pastor home when there's a need in church? Nobody's open. How many times have you sent a widow home? Because we're not open. Even between husband and wife, are you open? They told Jesus, send them away. Another, in another place, let me read that one to you. Let me read that one to you. In another rendition of the same scripture, in Matthew 15 verse 32, it says, now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Because they, they have now continued with me three days and had nothing to eat. 
I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint in the way. The same three words, the disciples told Jesus, send them away. In this rendition, he says, I do not want to send them away. Why? They will faint on the road. A selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed person does not mind what happens to you after they send you away. Let's hear from, okay, two more people and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, okay, ladies first. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Good evening, church. So um, one thing I've learned from this scripture we read and the one we read before is that I'd like to believe that most times selflessness leads to abundance. So in the first scripture, when she... Put your hands for her first. Put your hands together for that. When she gave what, out of what she had, she had abundance till the rain came. Then in this scripture too, if you read the story further, there was a leftover of 12 baskets, which I believe went to the boys. Boy. So there was abundance. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Precious. MD. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I, I think um, that um, the thing is, every selfish person is someone that overthinks. It's because, because, so you know it's five naira, and your mind, how far can five naira go in grace assembly? So you keep your five naira in your pocket. There was no how five loaves and two fishes would take care of 5,000 men if the boy had taken time to think about it. So most times, selfishness because we actually think like, ah, they want to buy a keyboard of five million naira, and I have 1,000 naira. It's not going to go anywhere. And keep it in your pocket. So I think selfishness is related to overthinking things. And it's not your business to think. Just drop it and let God do what he will do. Thank you very much, MD. Thank you so much. That leads me to the reference I wanted to make to Rosie's comment. The Bible said that Jesus already knew what he wanted to do. Do you think that Jesus considered that there was a boy there with five loads? Do you think he considered that? No, he did not. Whether the boy had presented the five loaves or not, Jesus would have done what he wanted to do. So you think that because you're not going to bring that to your 5,000 naira or 1,000 naira, the Lord will still do what he wants to do. But we are talking about the boy today because he brought what he had. The only way your name will be written in the book of history is that you bring out what you have. I'd like us to rise up on our feet. Please rise up on our feet. I want us to take this song. Uh, I wanted to play the pastor's song, the one that he wanted to play on Sunday and there was no um, audio. I'd like us to rise up while we play that song and then we'll make a prayer. Multimedia, can we play the song? Can, can I request before you play the song, as forgive me, to read this scripture. It was posted on the chat group in the sermon excerpts because it was part of what I wanted to share on Sunday but there just wasn't any time. That's Proverbs 11, 24 to 25, the message Bible. Proverbs 11 verses 24 to 25 the message bible this would be accessible to you if you check the sermon excerpt can we read this together the world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed those who help others are helped amen Multimedia, can we play the song? If you see your brother standing by the road With a heavy load From seeds he sowed And if you see your sister falling by the way just stop and say you're going the wrong way you've got to try a little kindness yeah show a little kindness yeah shiny light for everyone to see and if you try a little 